I know today is Pentecost Sunday. But I'm not going to speak on Pentecost. I'm going to continue with what I've been talking about or started, and that is holiness. One of the things that we are seeing happen in the church, one of the things that sometimes, you know, we are a Pentecostal believe in church, we believe in the gifts, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that I'm seeing in the church today that I don't like to see, that is frustrating in some sense, is holiness, or, or the gifts and the moving of the Holy, Holy Spirit without holiness. We are seeing in our world today, in some sense, and it's why, in some ways, there's a many, many churches that are, have moved away from the gifts. It's why, in some situations, the ch- people and churches and Christians have, some ways, put off the Holy Spirit and so forth, is because we talk about serving God looking to God, wanting the gifts, wanting healing and all those sorts of things. But in some sense, we don't want any standards in our life. We don't want any righteousness or holiness in our life. The Bible says, and we will look at this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with all men. And you'll have most of the verses up on the screen if you want to write them down. Pursue peace with all men and the holiness with, without which no one will see the Lord, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I am convinced, in some sense, that the reason the church is not seeing the move of God the way that we want to see the move of God is because we have lowered the standard of holiness in our lives. Now, I understand today, I'm not talking necessarily about salvation in the sense that I'm not talking about missing salvation, but I am talking about the aspects of, if you want to say purity, righteousness, the outliving of that, the outpouring of that in our lives, the holiness outworked in our lives. I want to see the Holy Spirit move, and we will talk about Pentecost, and we will talk about, I mean, we've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and so forth, and we will talk about those things you know, at some point. But I think that we need to look at the subject of holiness greater in our lives. The subject of, if you want to say, sin. Hidden sin. Stuff that God needs to work in our hearts. And listen, when I talk today and say the things that I'm going to say today, understand that I believe that we want to see the gifts and moves of God in our, in our church, but I also believe that we need to have the aspect of holiness, of dealing with personal sin. And like I said, I know that as I work through this stuff, there's things that God's speaking in my own heart, and I have to look at it. So this is not just me speaking to you or preaching to you today. This is also me preaching to myself. One of the things that I have seen in the church today and We've looked at, uh, we haven't necessarily looked at it here, but I've looked at it in things and seeing things happening in our world and the churches today. Our leaders are not walking in a place of holiness in many situations. So I want to give you an introduction this morning on, on, on some verses, and then we're going to get into it even more. 
Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10 says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be blessed or more to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. We've talked a little bit about the fear of the Lord at times. But I want to see here that God says that his commandments, that his word, that his statutes are more desirable than even fine gold. I want you to understand this morning that the book that you are holding in your hand this morning is more desirable, is greater than all the riches of the world. You know you can have all the riches of the world and still have nothing. There are a lot of people in our world today who have looked out and they've gotten what we would look at and say and on the outward standards we would think that they have it all but yet they have nothing because they're always pursuing more. God's word is more desirable than fine gold, but God's word is also sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Kind of that is a representation of life pleasures. God's word is sweeter than all of life all of life's pleasures. And David here gives two reasons why the word of God is more significant than material wealth or life pleasures. The first benefit is that God, God's Word gives instruction. It is a warning. I appreciated Brother Ade's word last week in giving us a warning that sometimes when we think that, you know, even when it looks like everything is going well, don't assume that God is necessarily pleased or happy with it all. God's Word gives us instruction. It gives us warning. And one of the things that it gives us warning for is that it warns us of sins that we are vulnerable to. It warns us of dangers that we cannot see. It gives us warning of dangers that we cannot appreciate. You know, in these nice days, sometimes at night we sit out or we, we, light, a, we light a little fire in our backyard in our little, you know, our fire pit area, and my kids... The little ones come along, and, you know, and Alicia and I are often sitting out with them, and you know what our eyes are doing? We're watching. We're watching because that fire is going, and, 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 and they don't have the ability or they don't have the appreciation of the danger of what could take place if they touch or, or fall into that. And sometimes you and I, we don't appreciate the dangers of certain things in life. And God's word gives us, a, gives us an understanding that. It is also a warning for the needed dangers that are far off in the future. You know, you and I don't have the ability to, at times to see the outcome of everything in life. How many know that? We may see in the moment the pleasures 
And even the Bible talks about that the sin is a pleasure for a season. There is pleasure for a season in sin. We may see the pleasures in the moment, but we do not see or we miss the consequences that can come of it. You see, sometimes we think that God's, God is really harsh and he wants to take away all of our fun. That's not the truth. God, God knows what can lead to certain or what can come of certain activities in our life. And we need to recognize that, you know what, God is holding us back or God is warning us or God is trying to protect us of the hurt and the heartache and the bondage that can come. So God's word is a warning. It gives instruction. It is a warning to us. Verse 11 says, Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and by keeping them comes great reward. Another benefit or the second benefit of God's word is there is a reward that is greater than wealth or pleasures. And I will say this morning, it is true, there is a great reward for keeping the word of God. There are benefits and blessings that come from God doing as God says. But in, there, in this passage of scripture, there is a, also a sense in which obedience becomes its own reward because we live the way God wants us and has designed us to live. There is an emptiness in wealth. There is an emptiness in the pleasures of the world. But there is a fulfillment that comes from following and serving God. There is a fulfillment from, that comes from discovering the purpose of God. There is a fulfillment that comes as you recognize the Word of God and see the Word of God and live the Word of God in your life. You may not have everything that you want. You may have to give up certain things. Not everything will necessarily go easy. There might be things that God calls you to do that you don't want to do. You ever been there? But listen to me this morning. When you fulfill and plan and follow after God's word and the ways that God wants you to live, there is a fulfillment and satisfaction that comes living from that. And most of you don't know, I didn't want to be a preacher. Never wanted to do it. In fact, I ran from it. I saw my dad being a preacher. I saw the struggles that he had. <laughs> I saw that it wasn't very lucrative. <laughs> and I said, no way. I don't want it. But God, is, God, you know, my younger years got a hold of my heart, and I realized I can't run away from his plan and purpose for me. And there is no greater fulfillment for me than being in this spot as a pastor today, as a preacher today, standing before his people, giving his word out to his people. Verse 12 says, who can understand his errors? Psalm 97, or 19, verse 12 says, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be upright and innocent from great transgression. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Without God's revelation, the Holy Spirit and God's Word, it is impossible to understand or recognize all the sin, all the disobedience, or all the faults in our life. You know, the fact of the matter is, you and I cannot understand our errors all by ourselves. It takes God's Word, it takes His Spirit to speak to our hearts at times and bring a revelation of those things that need to be changed in our lives. That's why at times we need to be careful how we judge others. Because sometimes where God has led us in a place of maturity, God hasn't quite led everybody else. There are things that I look at in my own life and I say, this I will not do. Because I know for me it's not something good. And I look out at other people and I see them doing it, and I need to be very careful and realize just because God has revealed it to me and said, Chad, stay away from this, doesn't necessarily mean that I need to go around and make sure everybody else is not doing it. Now, there are obvious things, all right? But there are sometimes things in a place of maturity that God speaks to our hearts, and we have to come to realize, and God's Word brings, a, brings an understanding to us, too, and we say, okay, no, God spoke to me. Stay away from it. But it's also, an it's also an interesting thing that the fact that we cannot understand our errors or sin does not excuse them from us. You know, it's kind of like down, walk, running, uh, driving down the road. Police officer, I didn't know what the speed limit was 60. You're doing 100. <laughs> What's the police officer going to say? Too bad. Here's your ticket. <laughs> right? At least that's been my experience. <laughs> None of you got that, right? <laughs> it's like when I told, I think I told you the story. We were driving to Camrose. I was doing a little too fast. Police officer, I slowed down actually before I saw the police officer. Crested on a hill. Police, I had slowed down much before that, which was a good thing. Um, I won't tell you what I was doing. Um, <laughs> police officer whips around I pull right over I knew it was me I had no question I was in the wrong whip right over police officer walks up to the car you know how fast you were going yes officer what does my wife do she leans over I told him to slow down <laughs> she threw me under the bus so bad you know, and, and like half an hour before that, she's like, this is what she says. She never says, Chad, will you speed? She never says that. She always says, Chad, you're going to make up some time, right? <laughs> but no matter what, here's the thing. Here's the thing with it all. You can never plead ignorance. And you can't plead ignorance with God. Sin is sin. Even if we're ignorant of it, it must be dealt with. So let's look into this even greater, dealing with sin. 
I would encourage us this morning to continue to look into and examine our life to ensure that sin is being dealt with. Psalm chapter 51 verse 6 says this, You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the part you make me to know, or and in the hidden part you make me to know wisdom. I only bring that verse out in this sense. Our inner or our spiritual life must harmonize with our outer, physical, visible life. There cannot be or there should not be hypocrisy between our spiritual and physical lives. There should not be hypocrisy between what we say we believe and how we live it out. And listen, I know we will all deal with this. We will deal with our natural body. We deal with our desires. We deal with the temptations. And, and we will basically deal with this for the whole of our natural or our earthly existence. However, it is something that we should continually be growing in. We cannot become satisfied and give way to sin. We cannot be satisfied and simply make an excuse for it. Here, you know, some of the things that sometimes we as Christians say, it's not good enough to just to simply say, I'm just human. Because in fact, you are human, yes, but the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Or saying, I am just, this is just who I am. Or this is my upbringing. Or this is my culture. We need to continually deal with sin and we need to continually seek for it to be eradicated from our lives. Now I know as Christians it's easy to look at blatant sin. It's easy to look at the blatant sins of life. Because most of us have these down. We would never do them. Stealing. You know, idolatry. Idolatry. We look at these things and we say, oh, I won't, I won't get involved in that. Or we look at some of the sin stuff, stuff we see in our world, homosexuality. I would never do that. I'd never get involved in that. But how often do we think about other things? Like broken marriage vows. And I'm not talking about cheating on your spouse. But how many made the vow to love, honor, and cherish their spouse. How often do we sometimes break that? Not loving, honoring, and cherishing our spouse the way that we made a commitment to. What about bitterness and anger? We let those things rise up in our heart. Or what about attitudes that we have towards people or towards things? Or hatred? What about some of the hidden stuff like pornography? 
Or some of the things that we let slide, like sexual impurity. Oh, the movie only has a 10-second sex scene in it. That's okay. What about our speech? We may not lie, but sometimes do we talk in a way that's unwholesome? Do we talk in a way that's vulgar? Do we talk in a way that's sarcastic? I am convinced that Jesus never used sarcasm. I'm absolutely convinced. I read through the Gospels, and I'm like, I'm convinced Jesus never was sarcastic with anybody. And yet, how many times as Christians do we, are we sarcastic with one another and, and even in ways put each other down or put ourselves down or put our family down? Oh, I'm just joking. Or what about living out of fear? You know, anything not done from faith, the Bible says is sin. Have you ever thought about that? Anything not done in or from faith is sin. Romans 14, 23, you can look it up. For whatever is not from faith is sin. How many Christians in the last two years, how many churches in the last two years have not been operating out of faith? but out of fear. And we wonder why God's not moving. Just something to think about, because it's easy to look out in the world and point at them. It's really easy to point at everything that's going wrong out there. What's going on in here? Are we living a holy life? Is holiness something that we're, we're desiring? I mean, we sang it this morning, when I look into your holiness. How do we deal with sin? Here's a thought. Here's a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. In fact, I don't want you to answer it out loud. But something to think about. When is the last time you took stock before God and asked what things or are there sin or is there sin that need to be dealt with in your life? When's the last time? And I'm not talking about getting before God and having like a place of, con- God doesn't condemn in that sense. But I'll tell you something. If you get before the Lord and sit before him and say, God, is there stuff that I need to there's stuff that I need to deal with. Is there stuff in my life that's not right? I promise you, he will, in a gentle, loving fashion, through his Holy Spirit, come in and say, this, this, this. When's the last time we've sat in the closet and said, Lord, what needs to be changed? How do we deal with sin? First of all, walk in the light, which comes through fellowship with God's word, which brings a continual cleansing. 1 John 1 verse 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. 
and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And we know that light is the word of God. We know that Jesus Christ is also the light, but the light being the word of God, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, we like, we like it when we lift our Bible, you know, at the beginning of the service or the beginning of the sermon. We like the idea of this is my Bible, it's God's word to me, and it, God says what he means, and he means what he says, and it is hope and it is healing, and it is salvation, and it is provision, and it is victory. We like those things. But how many times do we also understand and realize in it is instruction, in it is correction, in it is reproof, in it is his holiness, in it is his righteousness, in it is his judgment. And I'll take that just as much as his provision. You see, if we are in God's word, there's going to be an ongoing evaluation and revealing through the light of the shining of his word in our lives. You cannot read God's word and it not change you. If people, if Christians are not being changed over a course of time, I would look at them and say, probably they're not in God's Word. Because if you're in God's Word, it has to do something. Either you're not in God's Word or you're not very good soil. I would encourage you as you read his word, do not ignore the promptings that he brings when you read his word. And by the way, as I said, this is not about going to heaven or hell. This is not be about being saved or unsaved. This is about maturing in our relationship with God and seeking a life of holiness before him. You see, yes, God works in us. But there is a place of openness and responsibility and submission that he requires. You see, we often neglect the responsibility on our part. We want the grace. We want the mercy. We want the things of such things as we are saved by faith, not by works, which absolutely is true. But we also need to remember that the Bible says in Philippians 2, verses 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but so much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is the one working in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. You see, we like the idea we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. We're saved not by our own activities. We're not saved by our own works, which is absolutely is true. But God also throws this verse in there, which says we have a responsibility. You see, saving, being saved, does not simply mean that we can continue our old life as though nothing has happened. 
There were a lot of people in churches today, sitting today in church, who think they're saved, who have gone up, maybe come to the front, who have knelt down, or when the pastor said, raise your hand and pray a little prayer, they prayed the prayer, they walked out the door, nothing changed in their life, and they think they're on their way to heaven, and they're on their way to hell. If we are saved, it will show in our lives. If the Spirit of God has worked in our life, I'm not saying we will be perfect, but it will show. There will be changes that come. Repentance means turning from the old way and walking in the opposite direction in a new way. Repentance means putting off the old man and being made into a new creation. If we are new creations, it will be on display. We have downplayed or watered down the gospel so much that the world will walk into the church many times and simply see or look, look like they're looking into a mirror. You've seen in the last two years the way the church has responded to COVID and everything. We responded the exact same way the world responded. If we are saved, it will show. It will show in our activities. It will show in our speech. It will show in everything that we do. It will show. Again, I'm not talking about being perfect, but we are working towards that. We are working towards holiness. We are working towards righteousness being worked out in our lives. If we are made new, hatred will be replaced with love. If we are made new, offense will be replaced with forgiveness. If we are made new, offensive, unwholesome speech will be replaced with words that are seasoned with grace. If we are made new, we will not want to sin. We will detest sin. And when we do sin, we will run before the Lord and say, God, forgive me. You see, we are to be actively committed to obeying God in our daily lives. This is part of our sanctification. It is part of walking in holiness. If we are saved, our marriages will change. Not because our spouse changes, but because we change. And we are to do this, we're to walk in this manner in an attitude of fear and trembling. You see, I want the Holy Spirit poured out. I want Pentecost. I want people to walk into the church here at Cornerstone and walk in and, and sense and say, this church is full of the presence of God. 
But remember, he's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We are to do this in an attitude of fear and trembling. As Christians, we need to have a godly fear that guards us from temptations, that guards us from falling into sin and grieving God and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Proverbs 1, verse 7, you could probably quote it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, many Christians are fools today. Because many Christians are setting aside the Word of God for what God's Word says because they want to fulfill their own desires and pleasures. But if we really fear the Lord, we will set, up, we will set the standard of God's Word in our hearts and our lives. And we will live it out. Part of working out your own salvation means to keep on working out to completion or to the ultimate fulfillment. It is having a continued effort to see our complete salvation that God has provided to us by his grace and mercy. Here's the good news about that. Even though we cannot achieve this in our own strength, Philippians 2 and 13, the second part of that passage says this, For God is the one working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So the positive, the great thing about this is God works it in us as we submit and surrender to him. God works it in us by his Holy Spirit. This means that God provides to us what is needed to work out our salvation. But we must allow Christ to work in us powerfully and allow him to work in and through us. He gives us the ability to live a holy, pleasing life. He is the one who will come along and tap us on the shoulder and say, Chad, you need to not do this. He is the one who will produce the fruits of righteousness to become moment more like him. But we need to cooperate and submit to him and not just simply brush it aside. So we need God's word. We need God's word. Secondly, we need to also confess sin. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a word there that we often miss, and it's the first two-letter word, if. If. There appears there, there is not a commitment to forgive sins that we are unwilling to confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. If. There's a nice verse. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. 
When God speaks to our heart, I would encourage you, go before him. God doesn't speak to our heart to condemn us. God actually speaks to our heart because he wants to draw closer in fellowship and relationship. And we need to go before him and confess those things before him. And, and if we confess those things before him, he says that he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Holiness in a Christian's life is not optional. I read it this morning, the first part. Hebrews 12, 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. A lack of holiness is a serious obstacle to a close relationship or fellowship with God. You know, you can be saved, but in a sense, distant from God. I would dare to say that one reason some Christians feel like God is way out there is because they're not living a holy life. They, they may be saved, they may be born again, but they feel like God is somewhere off in the distance. I'd have to question, are they living a holy life? You know, I, I get there's other things. Sometimes we go through stuff. I, I understand that. I'm just something to think about. Holiness, holiness is not optional. Because we are his children, we should be holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 says this, Therefore guard your heart, guard your minds. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, As obedient children, do not conduct yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. It's an interesting thing. This is New Testament. But as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Obedient children should not indulge in the sins which is characterized which characterized them in their previous life. Now that we are Christians, we should pattern our life after the one whose name we bear. To be godly means to be godlike. And I'm not talking about being God. I'm talking about the activities and our conduct. To be godly means to be godlike. God is holy in all his ways. And if we're to... Be like him, we must be holy in all that we say and do. And instead of imitating the ungodly world with all its fads and fashions, our lives should reproduce the holy character of the one who has called us. Yes, I, again, I say, it's a work. It's an ongoing work. It's an ongoing process in our life. But it shows the expectation of God. See, verse 16, Peter reaches all the way back into the Old Testament for proof that God expects his people to be like himself because that is actually a quote taken from Leviticus 11.44 which said, 
The Lord said to them, be holy for I am holy. Christians, but the difference is Christians are empowered to live holy lives by the Holy Spirit. An interesting thing about this is the Old Testament saints did not have this help or blessing. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. You and I are privileged today because we've been made new creations and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. But since we are more privileged, we also need to recognize there comes a greater responsibility. You see, holiness was God's ideal in the Old Testament, and holiness is God's ideal today. And with the Spirit of God within us, the ideal of this is that this holiness is worked out in our lives. It's not good enough, like I said, it's not good enough to say this is just who I am. It's not good enough to simply say this is my culture. It's not good enough to simply say I am just human. It's not good enough for us to say that because you and I are made into new creations. Our culture, our past, our just being human, our just this is who I am has all been killed has all been put to death. And now we are made alive and new in Christ Jesus by his spirit working in us, and that who is who is to come out. Yes, I know we have to deal with this flesh thing. I know we have to deal with our emotions. I know we have to deal with our mind. But the whole fact of the matter is that is supposed to be in submission to God and his Holy Spirit so that our, those things come into a place of obedience to what God says and his holiness can come out from our lives. That is why we needed to be made new creations because you and I in our own strength can't do it. You and I can't be morally good. In our own strength. You and I cannot be holy in our own strength. But God made us his children by placing his spirit in our lives so that we can turn around and live the life that he wants us to live. You see... Closing out, we see Paul's example and challenge. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, he says something. But he, right before that, he says that you are the temple of the living God. Why are you the temple of the living God? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Verse 17, he says, therefore... Because you are a temple of the living God, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Yes, he's quoting out of the Old Testament, but this is for us today. 
Verse or chapter 7, verse 1, it goes on to say, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Yes, holiness means to be separated out. But as we see in this passage of Scripture, to be separated out also means that there is to be a different way of living. That we are to walk in a place of cleanliness. We are to walk in a place where the filthiness of the flesh, the filthiness of this life, the filthiness that comes with what has been Part of us, our lives before we knew the Lord has been put aside, set aside, has been put to death, and now we are walking in the ways that God wants us to walk. I believe that the church, if the church lived the life that God has called us to live, the world would know and see the difference. And by the way, I believe that we are moving into a time where you will either have to make a choice. And this is probably, if you want to say, a warning or an instruction to you. There is coming a day when you are going to have to make a choice. You can live like the world and be like the world and follow the world, or you will have to live and live and be like and follow God because there will be no more sitting on the fence. We are moving in that day where the, the, the political nature of our world, the social nature of our world, the economic nature of our world is going to place such a line down the middle where we are not going to be able to have one foot on one side and one foot on the other side. You're going to have to decide, am I for God or am I for the world? And it will cost either way. It'll cost your soul on the world side, it may cost everything in this life on God's side, but it'll cost. And I would encourage you today, even as God is challenging in my heart today, we need to see his holiness because we need him more than ever, if you want to say, in this world. You see, what will also come what will also come is we will see God. We will see him move. We will see his miracles. We will see his signs and wonders. We will see him operate. We will see his provision. Because when a church, when a people, when his bride is sold out and following after him and doing the things that he says and living for him, God will not abandon his people. And there will come a time when the world will look upon the church and see a church that is powerful and alive. The world today sees a church that is weak. Weak. Compromised. And we think, may we may, you know, and I know this last years have been, and what's going in our world today is not fun from a natural standpoint. Well, listen, I welcome it because I know what's coming because of it. So I encourage you today. I encourage you today. My encouragement to you, this is, 
please understand, I am not, I'm not trying to, I don't want to beat us down, but I want to encourage us because we need holiness in our lives. We need to serve the Lord in all holiness and righteousness. Because in many ways, it's the only thing that's going to get us through. Let's pray.